Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. So today I want to take some time to talk about what is maybe the biggest headline of the day in the financial media, and that is the U.S. trade deal with China. Or more accurately, the fact that some people are kind of worried now that this U.S. trade deal may be dead in the water because of some tweets that were sent out yesterday by Donald Trump uh, escalating the situation. We'll, we'll expand more on that in a second. But, but what I want this video to be about is the implications of if the trade deal doesn't go through. First of all, for precious metals, because you know, as of you know, in the last 24 hours, or at least since they've been open on, on Sunday evening, the metals markets haven't moved a whole lot. The dollar hasn't moved a whole lot. Um, and yet this should be big news. I mean, we saw the stock market move quite a bit on this news. So what does this mean for precious metals? I want to talk about some of the different things to, to consider and, and why uh, it, there, you know, this could be a reason to be bullish on precious metals because of viewing this from kind of a wider lens going beyond just the U.S. trade deal. Now, before I get started, I want to say this is not going to be a video in favor or against against uh, Donald Trump or the trade deal or China. Simply me just kind of saying that you know, this is what we can expect, an informational video, not necessarily super opinionated, uh, although you might get some of that anyways, um, and that's fine. So I want to go off to, the, I want to start here by going to the source of this. Now this is uh, POTUS, the, the president's, president's uh, uh, Twitter, as opposed to Donald J. Trump Twitter. But these are just retweets. These are the original tweets that set off this worry. So basically, it starts here. For 10 months, China has been paying tariffs to the USA of 25% on $50 billion of high-tech, 10% on $200 billion of other goods. These payments are partially responsible for our great economic results. So 10% will go up to 25% on Friday. $325 billion of additional goods sent to the U.S. by China remain on tax, but will be shortly at a rate of 25%. The tariffs paid to the USA have had little impact on product costs, mostly borne by China. The trade deal with China continues, but too slowly as they attempt to renegotiate. No, exclamation point. And then he tweets today, the United States has been losing for many years, 600 to $800 billion a year on trade. With China, we lose $500 billion. Sorry, we're not going to be doing that anymore. Now, I do want to point out, just because I I, I can be particular at times, picky about word usage. Uh, he does use terms here. China has been paying tariffs to the USA of 25% and 10% here. And these, the tariffs paid to the USA have had a little impact on product costs. Now, Technically speaking, and this is actually a really important distinction, when it comes to tariffs, it's not China or their exporters that are paying these tariffs. It's the importers that are paying the tariffs. Uh, and in theory, they'd probably be passing that cost back on to, to the wholesalers or the retailers, and they would probably be passing that cost, uh, cost on. In theory, again, either they'd be eating that, that cost or they'd be passing it on to the consumers. And so if you want to know who's paying these tariffs on imported goods. It's not China. It's actually the United States. Uh, that's an important thing to con uh, understand, but but it's neither here nor there in regards to what we're talking about today, and that is precious metals and what this trade deal means for precious metals. Now, 
some people might be saying that you know this this tweet it's it's part of the art of the deal it's it's trump trying to get more out of china and that very well could be the case i'd be surprised that is the case uh that he's uh ramping things up because he wants to get this trade deal going he he wants to get this thing signed uh, instead of dragging his his feet or dragging their feet i should say uh you know for for months into the future and so that could certainly be the tactic but there's a potential for miscalculation here because i think the really important thing to consider here is that we we can't view the u.s china trade deal in isolation and just when when you think of of major issues between the united states and china and our relations uh yes the u.s trade deal right now probably is at the top of that list but there are many other things that are very much related to the trade deal that markets are not paying as much attention to lately and so what we're seeing right now to relate this to precious metals is what we're seeing right now is not a whole lot of movement on this the potential end of the trade deal or or certainly some some worries about it coming to an end the dollar hasn't moved a whole lot and there will be some people that will come out and say that you know because of some various market mechanics or whatever related to the dollar that this is going to be bullish or bearish for the dollar uh the end of a trade deal and and that very well could be the case but but what i want to share with you guys today is is the fact that i don't think it's coincidence that we are seeing this tweet these tweets and and this you know renewed interest about whether or not the trade deal is going to happen in conjunction at the same time as a couple other headlines that haven't been getting quite as much attention we'll start with the one that did get a fair amount of attention a week or two ago and and that is north korea now what you're looking at right here is actually a satellite picture of a missile that was launched by North Korea. This was, uh, I think, last week. A short-range missile that Trump kind of downplayed. Now, technically, it didn't break the U.S.'s uh, agreement with North Korea. The agreement with North Korea was that they would abstain from long-range missile tests. This was a short-range tactical missile, the range of, I think, a couple hundred miles. Um, it's certainly, from, from what I read, something that would be uh, nuclear-capable but not a long-range one that they could target, you know, Guam or Hawaii or the mainland United States with, right? We're talking South Korea, maybe Japan. So this didn't break the agreement, but I don't think it was at all uh, 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 just by chance that it just happened recently in, in regards to, to some of these other topics. You have to understand that the trade deal is big, but but it's just one piece of a puzzle. In fact, I remember listening to, to uh, uh, Pippa Malmgren. She's a... Uh, uh, former advisor to some presidents today she works in some other uh, 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 field of, of work and then she uh, is a common or uh, uh, yeah a common guest on on macro voices and, and she talks about this that that the trade deal is just one piece of a puzzle north korea and the situation in north korea is another piece of this puzzle now ideally i think china and the united states would like to find a satisfactory solution to all of these problems at once the trade deal North Korea, a couple of these other things I'll be talking about here in a second. And if you see things kind of take a turn for the worse in places like North Korea, South China Sea, Taiwan, uh, and, and maybe some other Chinese relations with, with countries that maybe historically have been friendly with the United States, you have to understand that that's another piece to the puzzle of this trade deal. Okay, so this is number one. This is, you know, even before Trump tweeted, when I heard news of this short-range missile test, you know, I, I made me wonder, you know, 
what does this mean for the trade deal? Maybe Trump tweeted that in response to this because uh, many people believe that North Korea would not uh, engage in such a provocation without uh, China's approval first. Next up on this list, South China Sea. This is just a quick Google search. But basically, uh, you can see it right here from Al Jazeera. China slams U.S. warships operations in South China Sea. From DW, China warns U.S. after warships sail in disputed South China Sea. Right, these kind of these ongoing provocations or ongoing, whatever you want to call them, by the United States Navy and then sailing through or near the South China Sea. South China Sea, another piece to this puzzle. And I promise, I'll bring this back to precious metals here in a minute. But another piece to the puzzle, South China Sea. China wants to maintain control of, of South China Sea for resources, whether that has to do with, with oil drilling or even just something as simple as fishing, using it for fishing. Um, they also want to use it for military reasons. And that's those kind of go hand in hand, protecting it, but also want to use it for military reasons. Uh, and that includes building man-made islands to, to house uh, air bases on. And it's an important shipping route for China, whether that relates to oil or, or other uh, goods coming in and out of China. Very important region. Now, the U.S. doesn't want them to have kind of sovereignty over the South China Sea. So that's kind of the big beef here. But again, it fits into an, another piece of the puzzle. Another one here. You can see this from South China Morning Post. Just from May 6th. Um, Later on in, in China time, Chinese time, China fires up drills near Taiwan Strait in test of combat strength, right? Taiwan, another piece in this puzzle, right? And then there's some smaller ones that, that maybe I am not going to find an article on, but, but it can relate to Chinese relations and trade deals with places like India or with Russia or with Pakistan or the whole uh, Belt and Road Initiative, uh, on and on and on. When China makes those types of expansions, even if it's towards a place like Europe and the EU, when China makes those expansions in terms of trade or geopolitical relations, the U.S. sees that as a threat. These are all pieces of a broader puzzle. So again, how does this relate to precious metals? How can this be um, bullish? Well, I, I, ask yourself this question. If the trade deal is indeed dead in the water, what does that mean for all of these other pieces to the puzzle? My interpretation is that the Korean Peninsula is once again going to be heating up very quickly, right? Especially with people like John Bolton, Mike Pompeo in Trump's administration. Very quickly, the Korean Peninsula is, is going to be a hotbed of potential catastrophe, potential war, much like it was back in 2017 and, and prior to that. And that's a worry of mine. But, but that is bullish for metals. It's, it's not something I look forward to. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. War with North Korea, but it's bullish for precious metals. In fact, they enjoyed quite a few rallies back in 2017 on the news of North Korea testing another missile or the U.S. moving aircraft carriers in the region, etc., etc. South China Sea, 
this has long been a worry of some people that that there's going to be mis- miscalculation in the South China Sea, uh, leading to some sort of a conflict between the U.S. or our allies in China. Not hard to again interpret how that could be bullish for precious metals, and the same thing goes for Taiwan. Uh, a war in Taiwan or, or more aggression from China towards Taiwan again is bullish for precious metals because geopolitical events like this have huge ramifications on global markets. There's no way to spin uh, a war between China and Taiwan or North Korea and others as bullish or or certainly bullish for the economy or the stock market. It, it leads to a safe haven uh, uh, bid, including for precious metals, for silver and gold. And so that's kind of where I see this, okay? Um, that this is one piece of a, a bigger puzzle. And if the trade deal's off the table, then you got to think that the South China Sea, Taiwan, North Korea, and I'm probably forgetting some other topics here, um, all of a sudden they are going to be uh, kind of on the forefront of, of uh, Trump's mind and his administration, as well as the media. They're, they're going to be reporting on this more and more. And I see that as bullish for precious metals. Geopolitical issues uh, kind of, again, being priced into the precious metals markets, which you're not really seeing a whole lot right now. Especially with the U.S.'s and Iran's their recent kind of uh, up in the ante in that region, Venezuela and, and the outside chance of U.S. intervention in, in Venezuela, um, you're not seeing that price into the markets a whole lot. Now, beyond that, another major threat of, of the end of the U.S.-China trade deal is economic this, I, I think, would be the nail in the coffin for a global economic recovery or, you know, a, a global economy that is not in recession for, the, for, for much of 2019 and, and 2020. I think this, is, this would be the end of that. And, and, and that's, you know, another major ramification. I think I've maintained for a long time that another recession or depression long term is going to be very bullish for precious metals. Also, uh, though currencies, currencies I think are really important to to consider here as well. So what you're seeing here is three separate currencies. In black here, you have the U.S. dollar to the Chinese yuan, and and in all of these, uh, going up means a weaker currency, uh, going down means a stronger currency. Not the U.S. dollar, but but the other currency in this pair here. So with you know as the markets kind of opened uh, yesterday, you see a, a gap up in the Chinese yuan to dollar exchange rate, meaning a weaker yuan. In fact, you see it tagged 6.82. Since then, has kind of retraced part of that, but still is higher than where it was last week. It actually had been a pretty tight band there for, for some time, the, the, the uh, Chinese yuan. Um, here in blue, you have the New Zealand dollar, and in orange, you have the Australian dollar, two economies that are very closely tied with uh, uh, China and Chinese yuan. And again, you see them gap up, not as dramatically, but, but you do see them gap up in response to uh, this, this stock of this trade deal. Now, to, to put this in reference, if the U.S. dollar, or sorry, if the U.S. trade deal falls apart, ultimately, I think what that's going to culminate in is the Chinese yuan pushing through that 7 to 1 ratio. A devaluation of the yuan. That is not going to help the U.S. trade deficit with China, or Trump's case. Uh, it is going to lead to, to further provocation, more accusations of currency manipulation. Now, realistically speaking, I think the Chinese yuan probably should be devalued anyways, or it will be anyways, 
I don't know if it will if the trade deal goes through, but it should be because of the weakness within China's economy and the massive debt bubble. Uh, devaluation is, is one potential way to, to ease the impact of that short term with some pretty large long term implications. But uh, pushing through that seven to one ratio potentially uh, all the way up to eight to one. That's a real uh, a potential. I, I've said potential like a hundred times. I know ramification of the end of this trade deal, and and the end effect of that is is I think going to to lead to a bid for precious metals. I mean, the dollar is not going to rise a ton on on that uh, a drop in in the Chinese yuan because Chinese yuan is a fairly small currency compared to the dollar or the yuan or or sorry the the euro or the yen. Uh, but but it's going to lead to global instability, market instability, and and currency instability. You can even see it here with uh you know going back to 2015 with a massive yuan devaluation back then. You know if we can add something like uh, the S and P to this chart, that was you know, for quite a while there when it's being devalued, not a positive time for the S and P. Now there's times where yes you know a devaluation. And the S and P can go up at the same time, but you even see here when, when the trade deal was, or when the uh, yuan was uh, quite a ways up there. Um, this, uh, you know, as a whole, you see this as as uh, a creator of instability. You see this with a massive gap up here in August of 2015, and a drop in the S and P 500. Similar story here in towards the end of 2015, beginning in 2016. Not to say that the yuan weakening was the only reason that stock market went down, but it played a part in it. You see it again here in towards the end of 2016. And you know, if we can add gold to this, you can see that at times gold can benefit from this. Gold moves up as the Chinese yuan moves up and then it moves down, but then it moves up again following the yuan here in 2016. It moves up again here you know, during much of this time. Again, Chinese yuan is not the only role in deciding what the price of gold is, obviously. But it, it, it is, I think, bullish for gold and, and overall bearish for the global economy. Now, the final thing I wanted to talk about here, and this is, you know, long term, maybe one of the biggest ramifications of the end of this trade deal, or if it even goes through, you know, regardless, whatever way this is going, is its impact on the U.S. Treasury market. Now, what I mean by that is I'm, I'm going to show you this chart here, this great chart from TradingEconomics.com. And what this shows is China's current account balance to GDP, going all the way back to uh, some point in the 1980s. And so this is um, you know, similar to like their, their trade deficit or surplus, or at least plays a role in their overall current account balance. And what you can see here is that dating back to about 1993, China has had a current account surplus, which is also reflected in a uh, trade surplus that China has had for a long time. But as as recently as 2019, that current account balance may be turning into a negative. In fact, that's what I think it was Goldman Sachs had predicted is that in 2019, their current account balance is going to be negative for the first time since 1993. Now, what does this have to do with the U.S. debt markets? Well, historically, how this has worked is that we have used our strong dollar to buy cheap goods from China, right? We all know this story. We buy our strong dollar to buy cheap goods from Australia, take advantage of their weaker currency, 
from, from China, take advantage of their weaker currency, uh, take advantage of their low labor costs, low production costs, etc. And China has benefited from that. They have a trade surplus. They get a ton of U.S. dollars. They have a huge manufacturing base, right? And they actually significantly took away from U.S.'s economic strength by sapping some of our manufacturing power away from us. You saw other countries do it as well, Southeast Asia, Mexico, uh, other countries. But China played a huge role in that. Cheap Chinese goods. Plus, you know, it's not just cheap Chinese goods anymore, actually. You know, in the last 10 years, we've actually seen a pro proliferation of, of actually quite a bit of higher-end uh, Chinese products, right? Ranging from, from smartphones to laptops to drones to all sorts of products that are higher range and really good quality, not just cheap Chinese stuff, right? Uh, but but anyways, they benefit from that. Again, we, we send them their dollar, our dollars and they send us their goods. And what they have oftentimes used a large amount of those dollars for is buying U.S. Treasury bonds. Not all of it, obviously, but China is up there as as one of the, I can't remember if it's the biggest, it's, it's pretty neck and neck, pretty close to, to Japan as the largest holder of U.S. Treasury debt, over a trillion dollars. But with this current account deficit, uh, surplus slowly turned into a deficit, what that means is that they're going to have less and less dollars to invest in U.S. Treasury bonds. Not to mention, you know, regardless of where this goes, this trade deal happens or not. I mean, I'll give you two different uh, possible situations here. The trade deal goes through and the U.S. runs a smaller trade deficit with China, meaning China runs a smaller trade surplus with the United States. Their current account goes into a deeper deficit, meaning they have less dollars to buy U.S. bonds. Or the alternative, the trade deal doesn't go through. The trade deficit goes high as China weakens their, their currency. And yes, they may be then trading with a higher current account surplus, but China and the United States are in a uh, have very rocky relations, and they again use fewer dollars to buy U.S. bonds. They, they spend them on something else. Either way, it's 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 a problem for the U.S. Treasury market, which as of now is is issuing a crazy amount of debt. You know, we're talking about deficits north of 1.4, 1.5, trillion dollars a year. That is a massive amount of money, uh, of debt that has to be bought by somebody. And as a whole, we're seeing a lot of traditional buyers, including foreign buyers like China, Japan, uh, foreign governments, foreign investors to some extent, uh, but especially foreign central banks and governments, not buying as much or even selling them in some cases, right? To take a look at, at Russia, right? But but even if they're not buying, uh, or sorry, even if they're not selling, they're certainly not buying enough to keep up. And so instead, what you're seeing is you're seeing uh, buyers in the United States, uh, like like pension funds and hedge funds, and etc., uh, uh, make up the difference. But but their capacity to buy these U.S. bonds is limited. At some point, a buyer of last resort has to come in to the market to to soak up this excess supp uh, supply. Ultimately, I think that's going to be the Federal Reserve, which is going to be bearish for the dollar, bullish for precious metals, and I think very bearish for, for the U.S. Uh, uh, deficit, um, our, our, our overall debt um, in the United States, I think, is going to continue to skyrocket. 
uh, on the back of a weaker and weaker dollar and more and more intervention from the Fed. But again, this is all, I mean, interrelated. And I hope I've, I've done a good job here of, of bringing this down to, to a, a consumable level, right? That's what, that's what I try and do in this channel is not impress you guys with too many big words or too many complex subjects because the truth of the matter is is I'm not a, a I don't have a degree in finance. I don't have a degree in business or economics, right? I'm self-taught on a lot of this stuff. And I don't know all the the deeper refined aspects of theory as it regards to those three topics and others, right? I mean, my, my longtime viewers, you guys know I'm a grad student, but again, not in business, finance, or economics. We're talking physical therapy, totally unrelated field. And so, you know, I'm with you guys. I think I'm with a lot of you guys in the same boat of trying to understand this stuff without having to have a, a PhD, or even a bachelor's degree in some of this stuff, right? And so I hope I've succeeded in that. And, and if that is the case, uh, I, I simply ask that you, you consider giving me a like leave me a comment down below subscribing to this channel as always i'm just happy to have you guys here watching in the first place but those things help a ton you know in, in addition if you do want to help in some monetary way you know before i even ask for for uh you know donations or support through patreon which is an option in the description was that an ask did i just say i'm not going to ask and then i did yeah probably but you know another way to do it is, is something like sd bullion now the link below in the description sd bullion is always running pretty good deals i don't know what it is right now i think they have deal in on Britannia's, but but other times it's on Philharmonics or generic silver or whatever. Uh, really great deals, uh, really low premiums, sh free shipping over $99 on an order. And there's a link below in the description to get a one ounce coin or round actually at spot price. It's a small deal, one ounce at spot. I mean, you're saving like a buck, right? But it helps me out a lot because I do get compensated by SD Billion for that. And it's a great way to show your support for me by buying, you know, silver that you would be buying anyway. So there's more details down below in the description. As always, I'd like to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video, listening to this podcast, and God bless.